1: That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Squareball Podcast.
2: Hello, welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with West Yorkshire Electrical, a fully accredited electrician that covers the whole of West Yorkshire and beyond. They do all sorts of electrical services. Uh, Your big three, as Michael might say, solar panel installation, fire alarm services, CCTV, home and business, uh, electrical test and inspection work for your home and business. Loads of contract work with schools as well. Whatever it is that you need doing, if it's got wires in it, give West Yorkshire Electrical a shout. wyelectrical.co.uk for details. Search West Yorkshire Electrical on your socials. Phil Hay. Hello. It's Monday and Leeds United I think are very happy aren't we after a what was it super weekend down in East Anglia getting there and back apart memories
3: of Ronaldo Vieira even the drive wasn't too bad yeah I think there were trains cancelled and the weather was was pretty dreadful didn't start well finished spectacularly big result big result for Farker I mean going back to his old club club where he's still so well thought of I mean loads of applause for him before the game lots for it afterwards uh, for him afterwards when he was on the pitch as well and quite apparent I think he is held in extremely high regard there. You're never quite sure, are you? Because you're not involved with that club and because you're not around um, at the time when it's happening. You don't know whether or not it was a, a moment of time where people were happy, but, you know, it didn't really resonate. But clearly he's left a, a bit of a mark on the crowd. And I think, I, I think people think about that more when it's not going quite so well. Um, and the odd thing about Norwich is that the league position isn't a bad one, really isn't. But the form's not great. They, they drop points at Coventry having been ahead Drop points against Leeds now, having been ahead. I think what Saturday showed is that there's a, a there's a pretty brittle spine to that team. And when the pressure came on after the the own goal from Shane Duffy, that was the point at which you could sense Norwich getting tight. You could sense the performance going backwards, and you just felt, given the number of attacking players on the pitch, that if Leeds didn't concede again, that they actually had a good chance of of winning that game. You could almost say, and Farke did say this afterwards that they were playing to win that from 2-1 down. It wasn't a case of get a point out of this. It was a case of if we bring this to
2: 2-0, then it's it's there to be had. And something Leeds fans recognise as well from recent times, dropping the B-bomb in again, but that's what we always did under Bielsa, was always play to win. So it was really nice to see us go back to that. And even from a losing position, you always felt we had something to get from that game. I think you have to be realistic about the circumstances. So
3: against Cardiff, for example, I think if the second goal had come earlier against Cardiff, that might have been another turnaround from from 2-0 down. But as the game goes on and as time starts to run out, you are thinking to yourself, you take anything that you can get from this. And it was the 95th minute in, in that first game of the season. But it was different against Norwich, I think, because the tide had turned and Norwich had gone from... I, I thought Norwich probably just about deserved the lead at the start of the, the second half, the end of the first half. Leeds had a lot of chances and definitely left them off the hook. And I don't think Norwich deserved to be 2-0 up. But as it was, they'd been pretty savvy in their tactics. They'd taken the game to Leeds, which I think is is circumstances in which Leeds find it much harder to defend naturally um, than a lot of the games where they've been up against teams who who sit deep. I think if you've got the quality and the ability, games like Southampton, for example, and, and also Norwich at the weekend have shown that it's almost better to, to fight fire with fire against this Leeds side and to properly test their defence than it is to kind of wave on the, the, the pressure from them. But with Norwich, you, you kind of sense that because the own goal came early enough, to leave a lot of doubt in the minds of the crowd, doubt in the minds of the players who were all already under a bit of pressure. It was there to be had. And I think there were probably you know points of the Southampton game, even though Leeds were 3-0 down, where that became a bit questionable. But I think 3-0 is, more often than not, too big a lead to overturn. Whereas 2-0, is, it really is there to be exploited if the crowd turns a little bit, if the atmosphere changes. You know, the lineup towards the end of the game, the three at the back, but the front five, which was just basically everybody on the pitch, you know, all in, everybody um, everybody going for it. The commitment to, to getting back in the game, getting something from it, but then to win it as well, I think it did make Norwich anxious. And they stopped doing the things that they'd been doing well, which was coming at Leeds, trying to put pressure on. I mean, it won nil no down in the first half, even though Leeds were having all the chances. We were sitting in the press box saying, the thing is, Norwich looked like they're going to score again at some point, which they did. But I genuinely think from the own goal onwards, you really didn't feel like anything was coming at,
2: at Melier's end of the pitch. What they were doing at times wasn't that complex, was it? It was to just stick the ball in behind us, get us on the on the half turn, and it seemed to be working and getting them some joy. For those of us not inside the stadium, Phil, could you sense that crowd turning, the nervousness even at 2-1? The crowd didn't turn in the sense that they didn't get difficult with the players. It wasn't tetchy. Um, I mean, but from enjoying themselves to a position yeah, of nerves. No, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I
3: think also the realisation that they were in a bit of bother um, and they'd lost control of it. And I think people could sense that Norwich weren't really going beyond halfway enough. You know, they weren't getting forward. They weren't trying to exploit the fact that Leeds had moved to three at the back. So there might be a bit of space out wide and the width had been working for them in the first half. That was where Leeds were were having problems. Um, It was, I think, quite telling that Farker decided that he was going to play Archie Gray again. You know, a huge amount of football in a short period of time for him. And having spoken specifically on the Thursday about the minutes that Grey had had with England's under-19s. And I think it's fair to say not been happy with it either. You know, to put him in the team, I think tells you, aside from anything else, how important Grey's become. But I think you could see that Grey was a bit leggy on Saturday. I think parts of that game were much tougher for him than had been the case against Bristol City. But in the back three, he actually did well. And that change of system, even though Farkas said they hadn't worked on it much, hadn't had much time to work on it, it was dead effective. And, you know, it it was... For an hour... Out wide, Leeds just did look a little bit vulnerable. It did look like that was where the chances were going to come from for Norwich. But once Norwich stopped trying to put it on them and started to lay
2: it on thick going forward, I I do think that you felt like it was going to be Leeds' game. Well, we ask you each show to give us a one to watch for the upcoming game and it was Daniel Farker in this this game, which is the obvious choice, I guess, returning to Norwich and all that. You know, the person, the issue, um, whatever it might be that's going to dominate the talk around a game. He was really respectful, wasn't he, in his celebrations afterwards and in the press conference and the things that he said about Norwich. And not only has he endeared himself to the Norwich fans, which he was he was always you know, held in high esteem there anyway, but the Leeds fans as well, seeing that and seeing a guy who's really respectful of the place that he's been before. Did and said the right things
3: beforehand and, and afterwards. Um, just strikes me as a nice bloke. I mean, something the press <laughs> box said to me, just the sort of four waves to the crowd as he came out. But there was a lot of applause for him, you know, and I think it was right to, to acknowledge that. These days, in my experience, for coaches and for players going back to, to old clubs, it's are always easier if you win. You know, always easier if you win and it goes well. I think had 2-0 for Norwich turned into 3-0 or turned into a bit of a rout, then, you know, it would have been far harder, really. For I mean, Farker might have been able to handle it fine anyway, might have been magnanimous about it. But it's a little bit more challenging, isn't it, than, than when it goes your way and you come away saying, you know, as he said afterwards, you, know, you can say all the right things like, they're a good team. You know, that was a good game for the Championship, like good advertisement etc um, etc cetera, et cetera. the bottom line for Farker is just coming away with three points a really really big result that puts them in a strong position in the table good position in the table keeps the form ticking over and I think bigger picture stuff just avoided another bump in the road like Southampton you know when you feel like you're gathering momentum and you've got impetus going and you're, you're moving forward that that's you know that's what you you have to avoid and particularly as we keep referencing top of the table moving at the speed that, that they are if you're going to get in the mix there and if you're going to
2: compete with Leicester and Ipswich then the results have to keep coming We did a show with um, Johnny Cooper from Opta over the international break and one of the things that he highlighted was the uh, basically the, the chance machine that is Jorginho Ruter and Crescencio Somerville who was very much the starter and if, if Farco was your one to watch Somerville emerged as the star turn on uh, on Saturday didn't he um, and both of them Ruter and Somerville instrumental in this game and being instrumental in the season Ruta I
3: think always had the potential to be a proper wild card um, in this division uh, the kind of cheat code thing because he is a demonstrably talented player and the circumstances were not great for him last season it was hard to see in him you know the, the £30 million investment but there is a level eventually a player drops to where they are just going to be better than than almost everybody else in the division and the championship is probably it for um for Ruta. With Somerville, I think we probably all went into this season thinking that your wild card out white was going to be Willie Nonto. You know, he was going to be the player who was going to be most dangerous for Leeds and perhaps look a, a, a cut above. Uh, the problem with Nonto has been that obviously his commitment wavered pretty severely in August. He was trying to go, he wanted to leave, um, put him out of the picture for a few weeks. And then he's had this um, this ankle operation as well, which forced him to miss some more games. And because of that, or, or you know, as sort of part result of that, Somerville has come more to the fore and has been increasingly impressive. I think, like quite a few players, playing at a low level, lower level than the Premier League is going to bring his talent out more. I think, as a result of that, you'll see his confidence grow. I think you've seen that with other people like Strike as well, who really just needed needed to reset slightly. Somerville, I would say, was in a different position to Strike in that he was still waiting for that really regular run of starts, that really regular run of influence. Strikes played a lot of games and I think had just kind of lost his way slightly and this season seems to be helping him to to regain it but the thing about Somerville is he is an incredibly skillful talented player he's got great movement you know he's he's quite hard to mark he's quite hard to track he loves to run with the ball at his feet which is difficult to to defend against what Farker was saying afterwards was that the key for Somerville is to be more influential in terms of final impact you know so chances created good chances created Assists, goals, everything else. Productivity, He's, basically. Yeah, he yeah. more, did more of that this season and it, and it is absolutely coming. But Somerville was another player, like many, who could, I think, quite easily have forced his way out in the summer. I think if he had generally shown a lack of commitment, because Leeds were minded to sell him at the start of the summer. They did think he would be somebody they'd be cashing in on. I think if, if he'd been given that vibe, they would probably have said, OK, well, let's just get this done Farker has been able to say to him if if we get promoted this season you, you know you're going to play this season if we get promoted you're going to have a big hand in it you know you will have been, been influential and I've seen a lot over the years with players and managers that the importance of buying you know the, the importance of players being invested in the ideas and the, the strategy of, of what a manager's doing and you sometimes have circumstances where a manager has good ideas or has a good strategy but the players aren't totally sold on it the players don't invest as much as they need to and therefore, it, it doesn't really work. I think with um, Farka at the moment, they do seem to be invested and the buying does seem to be good. And I think you can see that in somebody like Somerville. You know, over the, the years, they've been chatter from time to time about Somerville's attitude, about whether it's, it's good enough, this, that and the other. But in the summer, he wasn't one of those that was going to Farka and saying, I don't want to be here. You know, mm-hmm. I want to go if there are offers, you know, let me leave. And again, you know, I came away from Norwich on Saturday thinking... VARCA's a lot of good footballers in that squad. Leeds should be a good team. You should be able to make a good team out of this squad. But I still think where they are at the moment in some of the way, some of the performance
2: is pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm always mindful of the, the conversation we had with KG, which was uh, maybe a year or two back about young black footballers being given the tag as kind of disruptive or attitude yeah, problems. Because it does happen a lot, doesn't it? But there were some incidences of like ill-discipline and, and like well, we saw, for example, he went away for his birthday when the club had asked him not to, which was under Marsh, wasn't it? And he just posted on Instagram that he was back, <laughs> back in with, the Netherlands. With Dutch, um, Dutch uh, number plates on the cars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, kind of smiley thumbs up to the <laughs> camera and all that. But it does seem to me like, from this distance anyway, that whether or whether there weren't any issues, you're seeing a player there who seems a lot more focused and a lot more uh, professional in terms of um, what he's doing. And in terms of the actual technical side of it, one thing I've been asking or sort of internally asking of him anyway is to be more productive, is to make better decisions which is hard you know it's, it, can you coach better decision making I suppose based on the evidence of Saturday you can because one thing I saw in, in Somerville was that he was he was being more decisive wasn't he like the yeah. two goals that he took he seemed to take his shots his chances earlier Yeah, like when he went through particularly for the winner I wondered if in, in the past he might have got to that point and, and dallied and do I lay it off and then that half second of, of just pausing you get tackled particularly when you're in the Premier League as well uh, and you, just, you lose the ball but instead he went through he was decisive took it back onto his right put it in game over
3: you have this thing, don't you, when teams are missing chances, and Leeds are pretty guilty of that this season. They're scoring plenty of goals, but they're they're letting um, letting teams off the hook to a degree as well, which they did Norwich in in the first half. You have this conversation we used to have it with Bielsa of what do you do about that if the chances are falling to players, aside from just running them through finishing drills, which some coaches do, you know. But in the, the benign circumstances of a training ground where there's no pressure, there's no crowd, there's no kind of instinctive moment where if you miss, there's, there's a lot riding on it how do you make that better and how do you, how do you get them to, to improve? And I sometimes wonder whether the answer is you can't really, you know. Yeah, you, you, I suppose if you practice finishing to death, then perhaps it does become a bit more instinctive. But I do totally agree with the, the you know, the theory of if a manager stood in the touchline and a player's six yards out, six yards out and they miss the goal... Like, th- there's no way of influencing that really, is there? You could play a different player or whatever else, but yeah. I mean, sometimes...
2: It's going just, back to what Bielsa said, he always said that, didn't he? Like, yeah, the, sometimes it's beyond, your, beyond you. Control, can, beyond, you can coach them up to a point, but then it's down to them in the yeah, final moment. Yeah, your, beyond your wit to do to anything about it. But I think to look
3: at Somerville, you can definitely see moments at which he either carries the ball for too long or doesn't take passes which are available to him. The things that, as a really young player, you you develop over time and you start to learn... And I definitely do think some of that can be coached. I think some of that can be improved through through coaching. And obviously the finish for the second goal was a, was a beauty, you know, and, and off the, the post. But what I found really interesting about the second goal and, and what I think was a feather in um, Somerville's cap was the way in which he held and he held and he held. You know, he had Nonto unmarked. It looked to me as Somerville was coming forward down the left that the obvious ball was the pass to the back post where Nonto was unmarked, a little bit like the Salah finish against Liverpool, you know, where you're at a bit of an angle, but the keeper's exposed and you and you bang it in. But Somerville kind of waited and waited and waited. And then when he saw his moment and saw that he could finish, he did. You know, it was the right decision. Um, it was a good goal. And you'll have noticed, I think, in that moment, Somerville run into the dugout, celebrate, got cramp. You know, that's how, how <laughs> hard he'd, he'd run
2: himself. Although but, it, is, it is fashionable now to celebrate and pretend you've like you've got cramp or yeah, your hamstring, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
3: suppose so. Maybe, maybe just just trying it on. But players running to the way end as well. Even though there was four minutes of normal time left and eight minutes of injury time to come, I think at that point they knew they'd won it. You now I think at that point they were they had that confidence of feeling we've done this and they're not going to have another goal in them. It's a big result, it really is.
1: Could you find love at Leeds United? The Square Ball Podcast. On the members' show, Michael chats about the time he had the bright idea to take his girlfriend to a pre-season friendly at Hartley Pool.
2: I was single about a month after. Why do you think that was? It's a five-year relationship, that, that ended. <laughs> and <John Dave> Livermore. <laughs> that ended because of fucking Kevin Blackwell.
1: To listen to the members' show, get priority access to the Matchball and all our shows ad-free, become a TSB Plus member at thesquareball.net forward slash plus.
2: Returning to the formation chat, Phil, we were saying before it was was it something approaching a, a three-two-five or thereabouts on yeah. the pitch? It looked like, and even Archie Gray was one of the defenders in that yeah. in that system, which is absolutely fantastic. Two midfield, it looked like almost like five or six up front at any given time. Because I remember when those subs were made, it was about seventy minutes, wasn't it? I went right. Oh, we're we're going for this. This should be fun. We we either lose this, you know, five-two, or we we win this. But it, it, was, it wasn't Hail Mary, it was a very calculated Hail Mary because Farker said, didn't he, in the post-match, he felt it was there to be won, he felt it was yeah. our day.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's always easier to say that after it goes right, but we probably all felt the same actually at 2-1, especially when Norwich started to retreat a bit and, and weren't really getting over the halfway line and, with the same impetus as they had previously. You did feel as if it was going to be a question of could they hold out? And I don't think recently the form has suggested that they, they necessarily would. I was asking Farker about the the formation afterwards because three five two or three five whatever it was is a big shift structurally and tactically from his preferred 4231 which is pretty much what Leeds have done all the way through the season so far and and his view was that it was kind of important from the start of the season because they'd just been relegated because it had been a difficult summer there'd been a lot of you know, change in the dressing room not to mention with, with Farkas, head coach as well it was important to have a kind of settled steady system that people could feel their way into and, and could understand. But I sort of said to him, oh, Yeah, how much what did you do on 352, 325? Because yeah, you know, it, it is it works in a completely different way. And he said, well, basically none on the training pitch. He said he'd spoken to or him and his coaching staff had spoken to the players about how it would work in theory and what would what would happen if they they had to play like that. But I think there was no time really through the international break to do it on mask because a lot of players were away. I think as well, when you have to switch to that formation midway through a game or midway through the second half, you can't even really be sure of which players are going to be involved in it because you have to make a lot of changes for that to happen. Who's got still got some running in their legs? I asked him whether or not before the goals, given that there were so many substitutions on the cards, whether he'd been kind of tempted to withdraw Somerville and he sort of said yes or no, but he just felt like Somerville might do something and I think that had been quite apparent through the game. I think in the circumstances, because Norwich were starting to back off, it made it easier to work. But I still thought, again, you know, I'd said they've been quite impressed with um, some of the performances so far. I thought it was, you know, it was a, a good thing for Fark. It spoke highly of him that, that he did that and it paid
2: off so effectively. <laughs> Dan James as a wing back. Yeah. Which, I mean, he has been mentioned, I think, before as a wing back in dispatches, be it on like Twitter or forums, whatever. But to actually see it in the flesh and go, okay, we're doing that then, yeah. are we? But it, it seemed to work. And I know, he, I know he got taken off not long after that, but even still, um, to see him there putting in a lot of work and that's probably the story of his season. He's done a lot more, I think, than maybe we give him credit for this season. And he, and he does some Dan James things at times, which is possibly why he's still here and not in the Premier League. But that said, you can't, ignore like the number of goal contributions, assists and things like that, can you? Which is the key thing, is that you need, whether or not
3: people are brilliant from start to finish or whether or not they have flaws or they look like they're too good for the team or whatever else, there needs to be a a certain level of impact that justifies them being involved and I think you are getting that from James. I actually thought, I tweeted just before the own goal to say this looks like it needs a freshen up and at that point, Nonta was getting ready, Bamford was getting ready. I wondered whether, James is at a difficult, 15 minute spell I thought I wonder whether he might might get taken off and we'll never know what was what was going to happen at that point but then James keeps that ball in for the own goal and, and that did absolutely change everything because the game was the game was meandering a little bit at that point there wasn't enough it, it was just kind of getting away from Leeds without any any drama um, and drama was exactly what they needed the stamina was good as well though you know the fitness was there towards the end that was a tough game to chase and it required a lot of running it required a, required a lot of um lot of commitment and it does change the complexion of this week. I think again, it, it makes it's not to say Leeds will win at Stoke, but it makes Stoke a, a, an easier game. I think on the basis that you are not coming off a result that again has left you quite a long way adrift of of the top two, or has kind of kept you stuck in that pack of of the playoff positions um, or behind. Leeds would do them a big favour, themselves a big favour by getting some some
2: real impetus now and and getting some breathing space over other clubs. Stoke, let's turn our attention to that then should just add for kit geeks out there and do go back and check out our four part kit special with Ed Calbert who designed this, year, uh, this season's kits? still unbeaten in the white kit Phil yes but it'll be blue down at Stoke I'd uh, say the Peacock so let's say that we haven't won in an away kit since Brentford away it's, it was discovered you know when we stayed up is that right that's right yeah wow Like all the games we've won other than that have been in white in white yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Y- you're right I don't think it could be either the um, third kit or the home kit um, for Stoke it will have to be have to be the blue so maybe maybe this is is the night it's not going great for
2: stoke is it oh, 20th the last five games lost one lost lost one
3: yes so they have it in them from time to time but they're not looking at this stage like i said you're going to particularly bother the playoffs you could say the same huddersfield on saturday and these are probably actually the weeks that the critical games so you know norwich away I think is a, is falls into that category. Leicester, hundred percent Leicester away, is going to fall into that category. But these are probably the weeks that are going to define how it goes for Farker this season and, and for Leeds. In that, if they are making the most of Stoke away, Huddersfield at home, and are doing that consistently, then they're going to be banging the running. Yeah, they, no, they I mean, are, nine points in a week speaks for they, itself. They, ab- they absolutely yeah, yeah. are how much they're the running for the top two is probably in the end going to come down to can they go to Leicester and get something? If Ipswich start to wobble a little bit, can you take advantage of that? The games that, you know, like Norwich, I mean, I think they're trying to make the point down at Norwich that before the game, they were seventh through only two points and two positions behind Leeds. It didn't feel like they were because things haven't been going too well for them. But, you know, if you lose to Norwich... In that game, which Leeds could easily have done, the table does look different. You know, it does, and, and you potentially finish the weekend seventh or eighth, and they, they would have been above us. Yeah, yeah. so it's a bit of grumbling, you know. It's a case if we're not consistent enough. With, whereas the complexion is different now, and it does set up this week in the way that you know, in the way that these weeks do make the table change quite a lot. It could do. It definitely could do. It was a, it was a pretty crucial result. I feel.
2: Yeah, looking at Stoke's twentieth position, um, played twelve. And they've won four, drawn only one and lost seven. Yes. So it's one or to other by the looks of it. They've scored yeah. 13, conceded 18. Goal difference there, minus five. Obviously, they're on 13 points, five points clear of QPR in 20 seconds. Well, which goes back to something
3: you've spoken about a few times, the value of winning games as opposed to drawing games. You know, they've lost a lot of matches, lost as many as Rotherham, down on six points. But they have managed to put wins in there. And if it is going to be a season where Stoke just need to keep themselves in the league, then winning games here and there will, um, will do that for
2: them. But here's another opportunity, isn't it? As most of the, well, I suppose the, the fixtures that you're identifying there, the what you're doing in the other games, it's the it's the ones that could go either way that you described as the crucial games. But actually it's all the other ones that you should win where you need to keep those wins getting on the yeah. board, don't you? And this is one of those. I think that's probably the right way to describe it. It's one of those where you you're expected to go there and win you kind of have to, don't you? If, if you are to be in contention. 18-19, two
3: seasons, perfect examples of winning the games you should win and, and what that does for you. And actually, if you look at what went on right at the end of the eighteen nineteen season, it was losing a game that Leeds had absolutely no business losing, wigging at home, you know, against 10 men when you won 1-0 up, that that did for them. You know, those days were, and then okay, getting beat at Brentford, but Leeds, quite honestly, never had a great record at, at Griffin Park. And, I always felt with Brentford that they played in a way that that gave a lot of teams trouble and and seemed to give Leeds problems constantly as well. But you know that Wigan game, you win that, and you know that that puts you puts you on the route to to automatic promotion. You lose games like that, and it and it does cost you. It does compromise you. So yeah, those need to be those need to be bankers. Those need need to be yielding points. I think Stoke away, Huddersfield at home, Farco will be feeling Farke will be feeling like there should be a decent return from these two matches. What what I think we're going to start seeing now and what we probably need to find out is how this is going to work when he starts to rotate certain positions. I don't get the impression from looking at him so far that he's somebody who likes to take uh, rotate religiously or do it any more than he has to. But there does surely come a week or a point where Ruter... You know, it doesn't look like he needs to come out of the team. I think Pirro looks like he needs to come out of the team. But it maybe comes a point where... Well, actually, Gray, for example, like, Yeah, who's
2: yeah, he's, he's played now four four times
3: yeah. in a week. If Gray starts at Stoke, it would surprise me slightly. Although maybe he'll have recovered great um, through the, the last couple of days. But there was a lot of football in his legs all of a sudden. I think the difference with Gray is that he's 17. So you expect there to be changes there from, from time to time. But there will surely come a point where, I don't know, even the medical department are saying, look, router is kind of close to the red zone um, when it comes to potential injury risk, maybe um, Pirro is. Well, just expand on the... what the red zone is because people might not be aware. Well, when clubs analyse players um, and their fitness, they keep a, a good tab on and a close eye on the load, the training load. How much the muscles are being worked, how much they're under strain, how much pressure is on them. And everybody has data analysis programmes which can show when a player is at more risk of an injury so is is that based on output then yeah yeah, yeah, pretty much Um, it's it's algorithms it's um, analysis of the distance you've run in training you know the distance you've run in games what you've done is um, broken down into things like how much of your running was sprints how much of your running wasn't you know what sort of strain that's putting on your, your muscles and they can say to a coach on any given week this player is actually quite at risk of injury this week according to the data so you might want to think about how you deal with him you might want to think about whether you rest him in this game put you know him back in at the weekend, whatever else. It's not to say that Ruter or Pirro or anybody else like that is 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 actually at that point. Something tells me that Gray must have been as close as anybody at the weekend. Having, I mean, it was like three. I think it was four ninety minutes in eleven days for Gray. In the end, it, it was it was tough. But if Farker does get round to a night where or a day where he thinks I do actually need to make a bit of a switch up front, then we'll get to see what you know what his thinking is. What does he do with Bamford? What does he do with Anthony? How does he, I mean, Anthony has
2: started already, but how does he How does he mix it up and how exactly does the pecking order look? Just looking at um, Stokes' results, actually, they've beaten, their four wins came against Rotherham, who are obviously very low in the table. you got Watford, who are 19th. Um, Bristol City was the one of the more eye-opening ones, their eighth at the minute. And then Sunderland, the most recent win, who were in the playoffs and were sort of been knocking around the same part of the table um, that we have. Phil but they have already lost to Ipswich, Leicester and Preston the teams that have made yes. the early running so can we read too
3: much into that? It's not as if it's been an easy fixture list I think it tells you that Stoke probably do have it on their day but that is the sort of form that suggests that if 20th isn't fair reflection um, of them as a team or, or what's gone on somewhere around about mid-table might be more realistic um, I don't think you'd be looking at Stoke at the moment and thinking they'll be they'll be chapping on 6th place um, when, when the season ends saying that I, I wouldn't have said the division has particularly settled down yet either it's very very tight Um, I think what is it like two points from 6th down to 12th 13th 14th
2: yeah um, so you've got, was, you've got Sunderland on 19 points and yeah. then you've got like Swansea 17th on 15th so there's a very small spread yeah uh,
3: so it kind of means that Blackburn in 15th could easily bounce you know to the verge of the playoffs um, with, with one result it, it it really is that close but Certainly, at the top, I I think the division will be starting to look at Leicester, Ipswich, and Leeds, saying they've had good starts, all of them. As I say, Leeds have come through a pretty difficult first month to get themselves into this position. Um, I think it's been good work by Fark. I honestly do. I think I think he's he's got this. He's got this team settled now. They definitely look happy with the way they're playing and and what they're doing. It's not like it's always perfect. It's not like it isn't failing in some respects. Um, you know, the the goal, the opening goal, shaped the game for 60 minutes at Carroll Road and it was so soft that, um, that corner into the near post but a lot of it's been really good and to go back to the point about
2: buying I think you're really getting that from a lot of the players Yeah in the sense that in so many games we are just in a really I guess in a really simple way better than the opposition we've got better players we've got more options off the bench because um, the like the Norwich commentators for example uh, that were on their I follow service at the weekend were bemoaning the fact that they just did not have the options from the bench that Leeds had they were, they were actually sort of marvelling in the the options that we did have, like being able to bring on Bamford and you know the other players that came on at around that same time just to chuck it all at trying to win the game. And it worked when they just said, we just don't have the same options. Which is the the turnaround, isn't it, from the
3: middle of August when that was exactly the position Leeds were in, that there wasn't choice on the bench. In part, there wasn't choice because you had two players in Sinistera and Nonto who were still there but were out of the picture because of, of circumstances. But that bench on Saturday was really strong. And I think... When, it, when with like an hour gone, I was kind of tweeting saying, this looks like it could do with a freshen up. This looks like it could do with a change. It wasn't a case of, you're just going to have to throw some people on and see what happens here. You could actually make proper strategic tactical switches with what was on the bench because there's some really good players on there, really strong, dangerous players. Already you've seen a good spread of goals throughout the team and I think you're going to see that right the way to the end of the season. Parker was talking when he was on about Pirro about, you know, golden boot who scores 20 goals a season this that and the other it's not to say anybody will do but I think the years where you've had a couple of people going past 10 I think it'll be different this time around I think there'll be plenty it'd be nice if we had about
2: 5 or 6 players or got 15 or more wouldn't it <laughs> if, I don't you, mind if that. you had that you'd be winning the title <laughs> or, or
3: although it has to be said you know Leicester are getting into record breaking territory now yeah. with their format I think you have to be respectful of that and say they have you know they've been terrific I,
2: I would accept second place Phil if that's what it's to be I'll take it it's fine
3: well you can hardly argue with the side who are on their points tally at this point can you no. it's, it, that doesn't happen by chance I was actually watching um, some of the highlights before the game at Carroll Road and they just looked as if they were strolling you know I'm sure in periods of games it's been difficult it's not like they've, they haven't lost any they did lose that game to Hull but some of the highlights and the goals they were scoring they were making it look very very easy
2: and um, what do you know about Stoke then? As we heading towards um, towards that one, I'm just looking down their squad. There's a lot of grizzled Championship bastards in there. They've got a, a certain Lewis Baker. Um, the, no appearances so far this season. Is he injured? He had
3: um, knee surgery to Baker a little while ago. You're probably right about them being being fairly fairly grizzled in terms of like formations and tactics and so on. I don't think anything out of the ordinary at all. I think it'll be, I think it'll be quite familiar in comparison to what we've seen from the Championship so far. Leeds away from home, I think it's a dilemma, isn't it, for opposition manager to know exactly how to to deal with it. At Ellen Road, you can can definitely get away with sitting deep, being compact. I think as well, as Leeds form develops and if it keeps on getting better, your own support completely understand that you're kind of playing the percentages and, and trying to be sensible about the odds in a game like that. But it isn't. I mean, we saw this even with Bielsa. With a home crowd, it is tricky because home crowd don't particularly like to see their team being defensive, don't like to see the team being being passive. They do want to see a bit of aggression. They do want to see the team having a go, but it does expose you um, against Leeds, partly because of the range of attacking ability in the squad, but also because of the pace of it. You know, I, th- I think that again is what you're seeing with Somerville on Saturday. You lose track of somebody like him, you lose track of somebody like Nonto, Ruter as well is pretty quick. And it's it's hard to hard to manage that.
2: What's your feeling about this one then? Another win for Leeds on the board. Oh, I mean, look, I think let's be fair about it. It should be, shouldn't it, given the yeah. relative league positions and the relative form? What's the unknown factor we need to look at here? I think I think the unknown factor, and and this will be the case right the way through the season, is that
3: when you bounce into the weeks of three games in you know eight days, three games in a week, it does put a certain amount of strain on it. Does put a certain amount of pressure on it. Can throw up some some odd results. They've got the game against. Um, Huddersfield coming at the weekend as well so turnaround time isn't absolutely massive which is another reason why Falcon might have to think about who he who he protects a little bit who he's cautious with it's going to be pretty crucial team selection for, for both games just getting that right and you would assume that it's not going to be easy to just do the same 11 all the way through this is when you, you really need to to use your squad so for example does Gray come out of the team does Anthony go in for, for one of the wingers um, does Bamford get, get a chance I think Fark will be loath to change it much. Mm-hmm. And I really think you'll be happy with how it's how it's settled at the moment. But these these weeks are always a little bit questionable because no matter how good you are, it, it's quite easy for the football to catch up with you in the championship. Yeah, just occasionally just throws up a random
2: game that you yeah. don't expect, doesn't it? But-
3: yeah, I find you a little bit jaded, a little bit off color. I think Southampton was like that. I went to Southampton thinking it would be close. That Leeds would potentially have the beating of them. That circumstances might be good um, for for Leeds to exploit, and they just felt a yard behind it felt sleepy Um, I always felt that on the on Saturday to begin with as well I mean as it happened on the Friday they weren't able to fly down from Leeds Bradford because there was an incident with another plane there so they had to get the coach down to Norwich which took a long time and they got in really late you know it's not ideal at all but it was just a, a little bit a little bit off colour but they had the, the means to dig it out and I think the reason they were able to dig it out in no small way was because even though it went to 2-0 it didn't get out of hand in the way that it did at
2: Southampton one to watch for the Stoke game, is it rotation? Is it the issue rather than the the player?
3: Yeah, I guess i starting to get a feel for how how Farker does handle a really busy fixture list. Is is he is he going to commit to the same players over and over and over again, or, or will he mix it up? And if he does mix it up, and might be totally justified in doing that on a you know, physical basis, does it does it work for him? I think that is probably actually what will really mark leads out as serious serious contenders is. And to a degree has already is the ability to change things without there being, you know, a massive, you know, without the house cards coming down. I I thought, you know, away at Southampton, there was no road on, there was Cooper in defence. You know, the defence didn't defend as well as it could have done. 3-0 down early on. I think the dream ticket for a manager always is that you take one player out, you put
2: another player in and you barely see a difference. With three wins on the bounce then, it's hard to escape the feeling that some momentum's building now. And and another couple to make it sort of maybe four or five starts to then mark you out as that team that's going to be there or thereabouts.
3: And it also opens up space behind you because it's quite hard to be ultra-consistent in the championship because the level is so even um, and because the standard is so even among a lot of the clubs in it. And the various games that are tight can go either way, do go either way. Um, And if you're one of the sides who, like Leicester, are putting... Win after win after win on the board. Before you know it, there's some open water behind you. I mean, Leicester are in a fantastic position. Seems so difficult to imagine now that
2: they're they're not going to go up after this stuff. If only just because of the number of points they've got on the yeah. board. Yeah, yeah, yeah Even I, if they did a full-on Leeds United, you know, to uh, 2010 collapse yeah. in the second half of the season, it'd still probably go up at a canter. Well, you start to think, don't you, about what the form that other teams would have to conjure
3: in order to close in. But more to the point, the sort of form that Leicester would have to throw in. In order to make that gap closable in the first place, anyway, you know, they're in, they're in great shape. But if I
2: was Leeds, I would not be unhappy. Well, then we'll get back together at the end of the week and we'll um, analyze it. Michael will join us for that one for another uh, dose of fill here on the Square Ball Podcast. We'll catch you then.
1: The Square Ball Podcast.
0: Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall.